Mike, turn your games down. Hi, buddy. Welcome to another film episode of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Helperton, and who is Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice with me tonight? I'm Levi, and I myself am apparently both strange and unusual and a space cadet tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tiffany Alberton, and that's all I got. That's all I ever do. <laughs> and I'm Bill Tucker, and Levi stole my quote, so I am not saying anything. That's it. <laughs> You'll get one from me. Thanks, Don't trust Levi. the living. <laughs> there you go. That's good. <sighs> so we are here to talk about, as I'm sure you already have seen the title, and want to think, first I want to thank Patreon, because voting for this to make me watch this movie. Are you really thankful? Are you really? I am, because I have actually never seen Beetlejuice before. I had been meaning to... It's been brought up in the show multiple times with different guests, and <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so fine. So we're here to talk about Beetlejuice that came out in 1988, the year after I was born. Okay, shut up. <laughs> wow. Shut up. He likes to point out that we have a five-year difference, and I'm five years older than him. <laughs> am I the oldest person here? Yes, I think I am. Yes. I am. Cool. By not much, I don't think. Who's <laughs> not going to tell us? <laughs> no, I... I oh, well, well, my podcast... This podcast tells us. The gamer looks yes. at 40. <laughs> My podcast is entitled Gamer Looks at 40, a, uh, a charming romp through the uh, history of games as told through the people and personalities who live through it. It's an oral history of games. It's a good time. I'm kind of getting well, sick of plugging my own show 40. at this point. I'm like <laughs> sick of hearing my own voice on it. Uh, but yeah, I'm 41 now. I will be 40 the 22nd. <laughs> All right. There you go. So soon. I am the baby of this group. I'm going to be 27 this March. <laughs> I am you baby. are the baby. <laughs> Whenever something happens on this show that I'm like, eh, I'm just going to be like, don't say that. It's bad for the baby. Somebody's going to be like, I'm the baby. Shh, the baby's sleeping. <laughs> oh, so I, had, I have never seen this movie. I've always skipped it. I've always, I have realized I don't care for Tim Burton movies. That's a fact now. I've realized. I'm Michael Keaton fan or what? Not either. <laughs> Tina Davis. Oh, Tina Davis. The wife. Oh. <laughs> no, she was his wife in here. <laughs> I, I know who was. Tina Davis as an actress, by the way. I love her. So, Bill, you had said it's been like 15 years since you've seen this movie? Well, I don't know now because here's a, a little like background. That's close for me, too. <laughs> What's that? I feel like that's close for me, too. <laughs> yeah, I... So... I I sat down and watched this movie, and I'm thinking, I don't need to take notes. I didn't take notes. I took not a single note. I'm just going to watch this movie. I've seen it before. You got Mike's the... notes. It's okay. Perfect. Exactly. They're in perfect Sanskrit. They're great. And <laughs> I, I'm i watching it. I'm like, I turn to my wife. I'm like, I don't think, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> then some of the awful stuff happens. And I'm like, I really don't remember this. <laughs> so I think I might have seen it, or I may have like seen it through osmosis and like VH1 clips, you know, top 10 Tim Burton movies and things like that. Because <laughs> this movie's in the culture. Like this is ingrained mm -hmm. into the brain stems of most people. So I assume I saw it 15 years ago or so. I certainly didn't remember, didn't remember a lot of it. So I almost feel like this was a brand new viewing and I'm a different person now than I was 15 years ago. So <laughs> it might as well be a new viewing for me. And um, it's a different time. So. <laughs> yeah. And a different time. We'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Yeah. What about you, Levi? I, well, let's see. 15 is, years ago. How, <laughs> how this old is, is Levi? This is, a, this is a fun topic with some of the uh, content of this film. I originally saw this film when I was eight. Oh, my wow. parents 
saw nothing wrong with it. <laughs> I distinctly remember uh, one scene in particular being like, why is he being like that? That's kind of weird. And then now as an adult looking back and be like, I watched why it as a was child. I ever allowed oh my to God. watch that? <laughs> and then I saw it again about a year ago. And then I watched it literally just a couple of hours ago to really brush up on it before this podcast. It's the best way to do it. <laughs> and, you know, you mentioned how they found it fine. Like a parent said, ah, this is great. No problem, eight-year-old. No, but everybody else thinks this is fine too. Just so you know, like nobody comments on this. I, I was very annoyed. I walked away from this movie very annoyed. Annoyed <laughs> that I want to sit down and watch a fun Beetlejuice movie with creepy Tim Burton stuff and marvel at the all the cool visual stuff it does. And then I had to have a conversation with my wife like, are things, are we really okay with like, us reading Lovecraft, even though he was a published racist, because like having those comparative <laughs> talks, like, yeah, I love Lolita. It's like a fantastically written novel, but it's also about a pedophile. So are we okay with that in society? I mean, I had these conversations thanks to Beetlejuice. I didn't want to have this last night. This movie's also about a pedophile. So. Well, I mean, I just, I didn't want to have this conversation. I just want to sit down and watch people being kicked out of a ghost house. I did not want this. We know. Quick note to anyone. Quick note to anyone who is listening: If you want all the fun of Beetlejuice, but you want the nasty stuff in the film actually addressed and handled properly, check out the Beetlejuice stage show musical adaptation. They did it, and it's wonderful. Yeah, I really need to check this out. Yeah, Yeah. it's on YouTube. YouTube, sweet. Levi, we're watching that next. You can watch it. I'll edit. Oh, Levi, well, how did you find it again? Do you want to, we can put it out here. I don't, it's on YouTube because so I don't care. What's it? If you want to watch somebody crappily streaming it from the crowd, type in Beetlejuice slime tutorial on YouTube and there will be someone who has put it up and you can see all the visuals. It might not be super, super great, but the the way that they approached the darker content and also uh, used some of the characters to help make an anti-suicide message was really great with the stage show musical. Yeah, because there was a thing in this movie that also bothered me with that, too. So we'll get yeah. there. There were a lot of... Well, you should have read the original I'm good. I mean, no one should be surprised, but... Oh, God, I, the original I don't script. like Tim Burton films. <laughs> I'm finding out real fast. I'm just like, this... I actually did not know Alec Baldwin was in this movie until we started watching. And well, I didn't recognize him until I read something and was like, oh, shit, that's right. That was Alec Baldwin. He don't look like Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Super young. <laughs> it was one of his first movies, I think. He was just kind of starting to break out. Poor guy. <laughs> he didn't know what he got in. So also, I want to know what idiot thought, you know what? A movie about this should be a TV cartoon for kids. <laughs> we watched an episode of that. I I watched a lot of Beetlejuice the cartoon as a kid. I did not. I, I meant to bone up on it before this episode, and I did not. I don't know if it holds up or not. I watched one episode because it came with our DVD. Oh, okay. I could pass. <laughs> yeah, this is also not streaming anywhere, unfortunately. Oh, really? Well, not for free. Or included with your subscription. So no, that's... no I, had to, I had to pay a whopping $4 for this two nights ago. And I paid 10 for the DVD, so. Did you actually look for it? In there? Yeah. No. Look, I bet you I bet you five dollars we now have two copies because he decided not to look for it. <laughs> That's fine. All right. So this movie I, I like the way it starts off, Ashley, where you just for some reason I found this interesting where you see all the houses and it's just kind of showing the credits and going through. And for some reason that amused me. I don't know why, but it did. I'm hmm. like, oh, that's cool. The miniatures. Yeah, I, I really like the model house that he has. And 
when you just the first way you see the models is with a spider climbing on it or something. I just I really like this model town that he built, especially as the movie progresses. You find out that he just went to the hardware store, bought stuff, and just built this entire thing. It wasn't like he went to a model store and bought stuff. I really like that. It really set. Oh, oh, go ahead, Leah. Sorry. Sorry. It's also implied that the hardware store was actually theirs. Oh, you mean when he goes in and like steals from them? Because it's it's the Maitland Hardware Store. That's their last name. Oh, I didn't. I missed that. I I assumed he just went in there, got what he needed, and just kind of paid for it. You know, himself knowing no. You know, again, small town in yeah. wherever they happen. I think Connecticut. I think they said this is takes place in. You know, they they everyone knows everyone's. He just throws some money in their register. He's gonna be honest. I didn't see it that way, huh? Yeah, sure. I guess that that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see it that way either. I just thought like Bill was saying, small town, just they know the owner. I missed what you said. I had to let the dog out. Please repeat it. It seems intriguing. The hardware store says Maitland's Hardware Store. They owned it. See, I picked up on that, and I didn't even see the sign. I got nothing. Though. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even see a sign, and I was like, oh, he's going to take from himself. That works out well. And it was just like, and right before this is when you have the you have them give each other presents. I put in here my notes. For, I don't even remember what it was. Like, this is like their anniversary or something? It's off to do the house. Oh, that's what it was. It was to celebrate their vacation, if I remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they're on vacation for a, a staycation, which are nice. Yep, they're going They're going on a, a staycation, yeah. And it's uh, it really oh, does yeah. a nice job of cementing them as a couple, and they're really fun. They're they're kind of goofy, kind of dorky, but very cheer, very endearing and charming. And all of this stuff is really good, just setting up, you know, these people you really like. I, I think at the very outset, um, I will take this moment to say all the acting in this movie is exceptional. All these actors are doing really good work. Even Michael Keaton, uh, as being over the top and gross as he is, we'll, we'll spend a lot of time on that. Who's only but, in this movie for eighteen minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, he's got, does he have, I was going to say he's like 15 minutes of screen time in the Beetlejuice movie. Yeah. But anyway, so these guys, it's it's a really nice setup. It's laid back. It's it's comfortable. And yeah, I think all of this setup is really good. Am I supposed to add something? If you like. <laughs> oh. I think another thing that is worth commenting on that I don't think enough people talk about is especially for the time this movie came out, not to hate on cis people, but we don't really see a lot of cisgendered couples portrayed in marriages as being happy. Mm. We don't really see them portrayed as loving each other and enjoying each other's company and working well together, which we actually got to see with Barbara and Adam. Their relationship wasn't a punchline. You know, I just found out his name was Adam now. I never knew it was his name. Several times she screams it. I wasn't listening. But I think that's a really interesting point. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point. I don't know point, where like, he was when we were watching the movie. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. No, I think that's a really interesting point. I didn't think of it because I'm just trying to think back to some media that I've been really like recently watching. They're always that always seems to a that kind of relationship always does seem to be a source of tension, right? Because it's an easy place for tension to live in story in story writing. But you're right. I I love these characters are just having a wonderful life together. You know, they don't. They don't have kids. They don't feel pressure to have them, which is another kind of theme that happens a lot in those kind of relationships. They're very happy. They have the noisy, nosy neighbor. Hey, yeah. hey, do you want to sell your house? You what? Know, is, isn't she related to her somehow? That's what she says. Yeah. I don't know. I, I took her as just a realtor who wanted to make a lot of money. Because what'd she say? Two hundred and seven thousand dollars back in the 80s. Whoa, that's a lot of cash. Two hundred and fifty. That's a good chunk of change. Yeah. She, no. she has that she has that slight dig in there. She's like, well, you know, someone with a family be more, you know, 
this is really more suited with someone with a family. It's kind of a lot of house for you. Like, ugh. They're happy. Shut up. He's building <laughs> models in the attic. He's been doing really cool stuff. And she really like, doesn't go anywhere. She doesn't really like, go anywhere in this gross story. gross and rude. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, I guess the other part to make them so really happy is the more to be like, what's because of what's about to happen, which I wasn't expecting at all. Even though I told you it happened? <laughs> you told me that they built that bridge because they needed a bridge for their scene. I didn't realize that. I thought I told you that. You know, never mind. Go ahead. No, I did not know they were going to go into the water and just die. I mean, at least the dog didn't die. This is very true. At and and I've said that. It. Yeah, I've the said it before. Like, Screw you. I'm going this way. <laughs> I've said it before. You, you can't kill kids and you can't kill dogs. And if you're going to choose between the two, kill a kid. Like, it's very hard <laughs> to kill dogs in any media because they're just they're good boys and girls. Like, they don't, they're completely innocent of all things. So, I don't know. Our dog, are we? <laughs> May I just say that this, that in the, like in the original script, this dog had a name and belonged to their neighbor. So may I just say that this is a PSA. Please keep leashes on your pets. Right? <laughs> Either keep leashes on your pets and keep them indoors or else you're going to create the next Maitland situation. <laughs> what I don't understand is like, they, they, just the fact like, you know, when you, they crash their car and they drown. I mean, it's just like, you think, well, the windows are open. They could have got out of the car. But uh. My wife said the exact same thing. She's like, hi, hey, they could have gotten out of there. But I was like, that river, whatever they were in, didn't look that deep. <laughs> but you know. And it could have also been, huh, as horrifying as it is, the glass could have shattered from the impact of the, uh, oh, the water. water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or they could have just passed as out. As grim as that is. Well, it's not quite as grim as the actual the original uh, story, oh. the scrippy, where someone's arm is getting crushed and you see yeah. them helplessly screaming as the water fills their lungs. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah you, I told him to read the article. He wouldn't. What is, did Tim Burton write this? No, this is not a Tim Burton script. Okay. He just directed it. Okay. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't be surprised. He writes. But, so did he want the original version? Yeah. And someone else was like, no, this isn't going to work, or what happened? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't look too much into it. Because just for context for those listening, um, the original script to this movie was way darker and grosser in nearly every respect. <laughs> yeah, so they had to tone back a lot. I, I don't know who forced the issue, if it was like a studio executive or if that was a creative decision. Yeah, I think another screenwriter came in and kind of like chopped out a lot of the really grody stuff. By the way, y'all, this is a PG movie. Yeah, oh I, was, I was trying no to figure 13. that out. There's PG. a big old, old F-bomb, too. And I didn't think you could do that in PG movies. I, I know like, you can in PG-13. in here? I mean, okay, granted, they do a lot in here, but don't. I thought they swore. They do. He just said there's an F-bomb. But also, like, I mean, I don't want to get there yet, because we'll get there. But, I mean, there's stuff in here that is not PG. But, again, maybe the 80s was different. Also, fun oh, little trivia fact. This is the only Tim Burton movie to ever drop the F-bomb. Really? Yep. Huh. Okay. Well, I can see that. It makes okay. sense based on the body of his work. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. And then it, I mean, again, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, and after this, it jumps to showing them back in the house and they don't remember how they got there, but their clothes are all wet and they're like, oh, we, and then the, I think the fireplace just turns on. Or the, the, I remember a fireplace. I remember her making a comment like, oh, that fireplace wasn't on when we left. And her fingernails light on fire. And, oh, that's not odd at all. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on what you put them in, I guess. So. Yeah. But yeah, it was just, I also didn't understand, like, because it's very early on, he st- he steps outside, Alec Baldwin does, and all of a sudden he's in a desert with giant sandworms. Like, I didn't understand this at all. Like I I don't think it's meant to be understood. I think it's just... Boundary. They have boundaries. 
Right. It's showing – exactly. They're showing you have boundaries here in this world. They can't leave the house or else evil sandworms will get you. And there's a time difference because she makes a comment, you were gone for hours and he's literally there like 30 seconds. Yep. I think also it was done mostly just for a story thing because if they had been able to leave the house – they would have bailed ship as soon as stuff started happening. And then there would have been no plot for the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. Yeah. Setting up some rules of the, of the movie to kind of make sure we have a movie. Yeah, totally. No, you're right for sure. But it's cool. And visually, this is our first kind of glimpse into some of this uh, Tim Burton uh, visual splendor. I think no matter how you feel about Tim Burton, you have to at least acknowledge artistically as a director and visually he is unique in every respect there is no other tim burton out there that can do what he does including tim burton because now tim burton's the parody of tim burton because he's just making tim burton movies tim burton so he's become a parody of himself but but his older work his original work is i i just love his style love his aesthetic um, and we'll talk a lot about that as it goes forward peewee's big adventure is a triumph of, of, of it's just triumph Mike shook his head. No, I think we should. Let's go. I think we can. Can we, can we all? I don't know. Levi, maybe you can chime in on this. Can we all recognize that Ed Wood is his best movie by a pretty fair margin? Because it is glorious, and I definitely recommend anyone listening to I've watch it. it. I so good. I I'm conflicted about okay. Tim Burton movies now. Okay. For reasons of my own, I'm I'm starting to just go to different film creators. I think my favorite one would have to be The Corpse Bride, though. I haven't seen it. I hear it's I hear it's good. I don't think I've seen it all the way through. Yeah, I've okay. never seen it. Nightmare. Before. You're not gonna like The Corpse Bride, Mike. <laughs> I'm realizing <laughs> I don't like any movie he has done. I'm realizing that really what fast. What about Batman? I'm sure you've liked Batman. But the he, Michael Keaton was I don't like. not my favorite Batman. The only Batmans I like involve Christian Bale. Okay, well, you... Where's Rachel? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like a Batman 89, but that's another conversation. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a while. I mean, the yeah. villains were great. They're great. We'll talk about that some more time. I need okay, to cover that. But it. also, this is the first time you see the book, which is what hand hit... What's the it called? Handbook for Recently Deceased? Yes. Right. Which I never knew until very recently. I mean, I had saw it somewhere at a Hot Topic. You see it at Hot Topic almost every time. They have purses, they have journals, they have stuff you can carry in your hands that makes it look like you're carrying the book. I was like, what the hell is this a reference to? That's I'm an- pretty sure I told you. You did, because I had no idea what it was. Okay. No, I mean, like, when you... You did. Okay. <laughs> so now I finally understand more of the reference. Like, okay, I get it. I mean, But I, the part I didn't understand is how other people could see the book. Because it only appears after they're dead. You think it'd be something that only they could see, not people in the living who could find the book and pick it up and take it. I found that weird. It was probably just done so the story could story, honestly. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of... Yeah, there's a lot of story can story in in this movie. Convenient type of things that that just help move things along, which again is fine. Yeah, yeah depending on context. I know. And, you, and you, have a, yeah. you, you have a very small scene of some guy sitting at a, at a couch watching TV and be like, oh, I need to find a job. <laughs> and it's just a weird scene to me, too. Of just, I mean, it's really brief just to kind of introduce you to Beetlejuice without you knowing it's Beetlejuice. Other than I knew what the plot, I know this movie at least somewhat. I'm like, okay. And then he talks about the sandworms and something. It's very short, but I just remember it being odd. I'm like, okay. Very short time he's in this movie. Yeah, that too. He's only in this movie like 17 minutes or something. It's it's a it's very very little. I was yeah. surprised by that. I'm glad you actually have the actual number because I think it's like 17 to 18 minutes. That's I, crazy. I yeah. <laughs> it's too short. 
I mean, I'm okay with that because I don't need him in this movie. But he got in there till like after the first half hour. <laughs> I was trying to see when he first got in, but I was watching DVD, so I couldn't just hit the button and see how far I'm into the movie. Like, Twenty five, three minutes in. But that was that was weird to me. I mean, the, the title, the, the cover of the movie is the guy is the character, and he's barely he's not even in the movie. Really, <laughs> that's just strange. Maybe you should be called the Phantom Beetlejuice. You know, <laughs> nothing. Okay, and <laughs> I don't get it. And so I'm mean, yeah. And then you see a sold sign, which I thought was kind of I, I found this funny when the new family moves in and you get to see. Well, all I could think of was pr- Principal Rooney. That's all I that's all through my brain when I saw that actor show up. Howard yeah. The duck. Howard the duck. <laughs> Screw that I movie. know him from. I only know him from. I, I've seen it, but I just kept thinking of Ferris Bueller's Day Out. But the whole everything with the new family, I, I don't like these characters at all. I don't like how they come into the house and they want to start changing everything and they make everything like terribly ugly and they have way way too much money and it bothered me for some reason it just like you have all this money you can actually just put random things on the side of this giant house you just bought for two hundred fifty thousand and eighty eight. i don't know it bothered me <laughs> well i say that having a mother as a fashion merchandiser it's very very close to life <laughs> <laughs> Like, okay. the one point where she's just like, if you do not let me do what I want to with this house, I will go nuts and I'll take you with me. I was like, yeah, that's, that that's is, my mother. Right. So that is, like, my favorite <laughs> line. <laughs> I, I also, it's, you're not supposed to like these people. Um, Well, you're, you're not supposed to like the mom. You're not supposed to like the dad. It's, they are, the Catherine O'Hara, I, I just I, adore her. I, I am, everything, I she's just her. phenomenal. And so she plays that role so perfectly. And it's a good, ba- a good, uh, you know, you have Catherine O'Hara who is trying desperately. She just wants to dist- – she doesn't want to be here, first of all. She doesn't want to be here, but she has her assistant with her just to kind of completely demo the place and make it her own. The so dad just wants like to her. relax. The dad just wants to relax. Yeah. <laughs> and then the wonderful Minota Rider shows up as Lydia, and she is so fun and cool and She's awesome. Perfect. She – I don't I, – a host of women or I guess I guess at that age it's girls, I guess, but a host of ladies – Audition for that role, and I can't imagine any of them. Thinking of Jennifer Connelly and Sarah Jessica Parker. I can't imagine. Like, she is perfect but for that. But then he role. saw her in Lucas, and that was his Lydia. Gotcha. I don't. I've never seen Lucas. I don't. I don't know it, but it's so great. I think I did a long time ago. It's a really good movie. And for no reason, we're just going to put out that she's the character is fifteen in this movie. 15. For no reason, I'm going to say that. Right? Yeah. No, no reason. reason. Absolutely no, not foreshadowing. Okay. No. no. <sighs> and. We're not, yeah. I did laugh at Mooney Teeny. Yeah, I mean that was fine. I did laugh at the sculpture joke when there's something about when the movers is moving a sculpture. And she's like, "That's a sculpture." And he just like drops it on the table, doesn't even care. And she <laughs> doesn't I care. did laugh at that. The side of the the face that the mover gave her when she was just like, "And it's not my sculpture. Like I bought it. It's my sculpture. Like I made it." The look that he gave her, like if you weren't paying me as lady, much as I you were, care. I'd slap you right. Now. <laughs> <laughs> like, lady, I and I also thought it was like you have a scene where one of the guys that's working with him, Otho. The first scene you see him is climbing through the window because going through a door is bad luck. I think. Is yeah. that what he did? It something like that. I didn't. I didn't catch that. I just thought it was slapsticky. You know. I could have swore he said something about his bad luck to yeah. go through a door. There's a reason he goes through the window. Oh, okay. Yeah, he did say it was bad luck. He climbs through the leg and he's tearing everything down, like the <laughs> lines the and everything. Like, why didn't you go through the door? He's like, it's bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> That's the character I dislike the most. Yeah, he's not. Great. Better than Beetlejuice, but hey. And then at the end, he just runs. And changes clothes, too. <laughs> but we'll talk about that. Okay, sorry. And then you also, this is where you first see Alec Baldwin's character, well, the couple, 
and they're in a closet and they're trying to scare the new people out of their house and he rips off it. They pull off their faces or something. Somebody does. I can't remember which, but I was just kind of like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> oh, it creeped me out. They're trying to scare them. They scared me. It's what? It didn't scare me, but it irritated me. I'm like, why am I watching this? <laughs> it and this you. was, this was a weird part of part. And I was kind of wondering what was going on because the people can't see them, but yeah. can they see them when they're trying to be scared? Like I did. And they didn't really react either. They kind of just like, push them aside so were they or the was the the husband and the wife were they under the impression that if they try to scare them they would see them i think so yes so yeah okay so they're they're like they're trying in vain to scare them but of course nothing's working because they can't see them because they didn't read the handbook okay cool i'm just getting that straight in my brain as we were talking so okay thank you which i think the handbook says people most people won't see you not most people can't see you most people won't right right I mean, the other thing I got to get is like, if all of a sudden I died and there's a book sitting there, what else do I have time to do other than sit? I'll read the book. If I don't need to sleep, I don't need to eat. Why not just read? Make I it think, a video game for Mike and he'll be happy. I think yes. another thing that should also be brought up that I really appreciate that they did with this movie is that I feel that Adam and Barbara had a very realistic approach to how someone would feel in this type of situation. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no there's no horrible pain. There's just a, okay, we're dead. We're stuck. What do we do with this? Now what do we do? And you get to see them just kind of continue on and try to figure out what they're doing. And I just thought that was a really neat, refreshing approach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mike. It is. I would agree with that. I mean, it's nice to see that, like, I didn't realize this until later on, but the two best characters are the couple that are dead. Everyone oh, else yeah. is terrible, except for Lydia. Lydia's not terrible. No, everyone else. Lydia everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's it, you're right, it is very refreshing to have them just try to figure it out. They don't really have that moment of, of panic or, like, you know, freak out moment. They just kind of go, all right, let's just go with it and let's try to figure it out. But... They could have read the manual. I mean, let's be honest. Like Mike's got Mike's got a point here. <laughs> but well, plus, I mean, if I was dead and all of a sudden there was a book, I would just start reading the book to try to figure out what the hell just happened to me. Yeah, but that doesn't make for a fun movie. We need to learn as the audience these things through the action and through scenes and plot. Yeah, so I mean, it's fine. Listen, I have ADHD, so if I died and then a book appeared. Whether I read that book or not depended on, on if my ADHD followed me into the afterlife. <laughs> otherwise, I'm not concentrating on shit. Oh, no. If, I, if all of a sudden I found out I didn't have to sleep, I didn't have to work, I didn't have to eat, oh, I would just get, you know, I want to be a vampire in Twilight. That's what I want. So I have all the time in the world to, whatever, to do my own thing. You want to sparkle? I'd be okay. okay. But and I, I did like the way Lydia dresses, too, in the beginning of this movie. I find it amusing how she's wearing all black and has, like, the few, the... The fishnet funeral thing in front of her face too, which makes no sense. But you know, <laughs> the veil would—it's not—it's fishnet veil. I'm she, pretty sure a funeral would just be a veil that's not fishnet. She's constantly in mourning, and yeah. it's so good. Her life. <laughs> yep, really good. I mean, it—I was worried at different parts of the movie they were going to have her commit suicide because that was in the original script. And I was like, I'm not—I'm going to be irritated if you do that just because that's not, yeah. Thankfully, they did not, but that's how it felt a couple well, it times. needed a PG rating. And I think this is the time you first see a sandworm. <laughs> I put in my notes, I think they try to leave the house again, and yeah. you first see a stop-motion sandworm, because it was definitely stop-motion. <laughs> yes. That was so horrible. I was like, ooh, these, <laughs> these special effects do not live up. <laughs> well, it's the 80s. I mean, you if you want to see a movie with special effects, don't hold it, watch Blade 2. <laughs> There's some great special effects in that movie. When he starts jumping around, it's like, hey, look, I'm playing a computer game from the 90s. Really bad. 
really bad. <laughs> Bill knows what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I also thought it was like when they, because you shortly after this, you have the truck start coming to change up the house. And it's just such a weird thing where you see them ripping apart things, adding parts to it. And there was a part where like a sculpture falls through the window and the kitchen was on the second floor. So was it? Okay. Are we sure though? <laughs> so, you know, the scene where he like looks out the window, gets a glass of water. Is this the kitchen? Cause I swear when they walk in the door, that's the kitchen on the first floor. Well, that was that was the original kitchen, and then they they moved it. They redid the entire house. They moved the kitchen to the second floor. Like the geniuses they are, <laughs> <laughs> like, like the design. Yeah, the design geniuses uh, that they that they are. Yeah, I just kind of chalked that up too because the house is kind of like on a hill, so you know maybe there's like a hill there. It's kind of supports, you know. Kind of New England style home, oh, I but I didn't think too much about it though. They I don't have too many if, if they have flooding inside the house from the pipes, they just don't want the left the rest of the house to be left out. Everybody <laughs> needs to be included. <laughs> That's right. At least it'll be a consistent mold across the entire home. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and it's Connecticut, so hey, I guess that has something to do with it. Maybe is that where it is? It's co- That's where it's supposed to be. Yes, Connecticut. Oh. Yeah, it's Connecticut. I guess yeah. I never realized. The real life is not Connecticut. I think it's Vermont where it's filmed, but it's Connecticut. Most of it. Same difference. <laughs> well, and then you see, you have a very short scene where the ghosts see an ad on TV for Beetlejuice, which, as, as you're more realizing, he's not actually broadcasting it. He's actually like right in the house nearby in the model broadcasting it to their TV. But what does he call himself? I can't. Remember. A bio exorcist. A bio exorcist. There you go. He'll kill the people that are troubling you. <laughs> But wouldn't you, if you killed the people that live in the house now, wouldn't they just start haunting the house with you? Right? That's a very good question. I because don't the theory know. of this is you die, you go back to your house, and you're stuck in your house for 125 years. So if you killed somebody in your house, they would then be stuck with the same bullshit you're in. So therefore, you just brought more people to have to live with you now. Unless they haven't lived there long enough, and maybe they would go back to New York? I don't know. That's a, again... This movie has very loosey-goosey ro- uh, rules. It doesn't... <laughs> it plays fast and lo- loose with its fiction to a certain extent. So I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. I also saw it weird how Ryder could see the dead. Like, I was wondering if maybe they were going to say something where she had... Yeah, and something like, you know, something tragic had happened to her. There was some kind of effect that that's why she could see the dead, not just, well, she's all depressed and hates life so she can see the dead. Like, I didn't. She's more also more open than her parents. Her parents are like, there's no such thing as ghosts. And well, that's I mean, like her entire life. I mean, her dad was a principal at a, at a high school in Chicago. So, hey, what do you, you know, what do you expect? What does that have to do with ghosts? I don't know. I okay. just want to make that joke. There we go. Oh, I know. I know they explained it in the most dramatic, hilarious way for her, which is it says the manual. It says in the manual that humans often ignore the strange and unusual, but I myself am the strange and unusual. <laughs> Listen, if that wasn't me when I was 15 years old, I don't. Know. No, none of us, right? Yeah, no, we were, we are all sunshine and rainbows. I mean, it's it's so yes. No, I won't. <laughs> I had long hair. And awesome. uh, and now his son has his an attitude. So that's awesome. Cool. But anyway, I know that, that was kind of what I got with it. She's she's more in tune with the dark, dark. I'll say the dark side. This is not. <laughs> she's more in tune with kind of the darker aspects of life. She's in tune with kind of her own mortality. And she wants to see ghosts like she's not. She ain't afraid of no ghosts. So <laughs> she's uh, I, I can totally buy that. She. Even also, as, as 
as a you know a teenager, she definitely has a little more innocence to her, where she can believe those things a little more than like an adult who's you know an adult. So yeah, I totally get that, and it's Which, cool. It's a good catalyst for what what's happening next. I do agree with that in general. I feel that if anyone did see ghosts, it would be kids because kids are more open to what's happening. Whereas an adult, you're just your brain is going to justify. Well, that's not what you think it is. It's not there. You're just going to always find a way to justify it because you can't handle the reality that it's not what you think. I don't think that's what the movie is going for, but that's how I always take it. Yeah, it's all it's all kind of baked in a little bit. Yeah, uh, I did laugh at the small scene where he draws a door. And he has to put a doorknob and then he has to knock on it three times to get to, and then he goes into the, the waiting room. Yep. That was funny. I, I like this idea that if when you die, you're able to go to a waiting room with caseworkers and have somebody help you because, you know, you don't know what you're doing. Like, that was actually pretty funny to me. But they're wasting their one of three talks with their caseworker in 125 years. What are they doing? They didn't know that. But everything with this was very funny to me in a sad way because it wasn't that. I mean, it's a parallel to real life people that go, you know, have gone through trouble. And I have where you need social services, you need things to help you. And you're like just that, that whole situation. You're waiting for a long time. You don't really know what's going on. They're not as helpful. I'm like, yeah, that's not that far from reality. Like, <laughs> it, next. Yeah, it was. I don't know. It just kind of was. But it was also amusing to me. Like you have this the hunter that's sitting there and has a shrunken head, but he has like the whole get up as, as a hunter would have been like, you know, somewhere in the Amazon or somewhere. And he runs across a tribe. Like I, I found that interesting for some reason. Oh, and there's a really bad scene here. I want to talk about where the, is it the, the secretary? I think, right. She's oh. the receptionist. Yeah. Yeah. And she makes a comment where this was an accident. Oh, wasn't no accident or what was the wording? I forget. She did say accident. Yeah. Okay. Happened to her. She is a my ex. And then she shows her wrist where, you know, she slid her wrist. And I'm just like, I didn't like the wording of that. It bugged me. What did you want her to say? I don't, I don't know. Just something about accident bothered me. I don't know why. I got nothing. I also didn't like the fact they just showed suicide like that. So, I don't yeah. know. My, my, my answer would have been, I would rather just not be there. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Just have the wisecracking receptionist, you know, who's, I mean, I do like, like you were kind of saying, like the bureaucracy of the afterlife is a very funny concept to me that it's just as boring and tedious as our everyday lives are. I think that's a, that's a very interesting and fun conceit. And I also think this whole waiting room is fun up until that point, uh, because it's all Tim Burton just kind of stretching his legs and really, um, going to town with some of these creative designs and, and just creating this very surreal world, which is very interesting and good. Um, I also I, don't like using suicide as a joke, kind of how right. it was. That's that, that's kind of what it got to me. She, the comment I believe is, she's like, if I had known it had been, if I known the afterlife would have been like this, I wouldn't have had my little accident. Accidents. And she shows both her wrists, and it's. I agree with you. I mean, that's the least of the I think this movie's problems, but no, but it's one of the early. I issues. agree with you. Though. I agree with you. Oh no, no, I think it's a sign of things to come. Um, Levi, I don't know if you had anything on that. I know. I know, like, there's there's a few different things in this scene. Like, one of the things is, I love that when they first enter in through the doorway, that the sign hanging above actually says no exit rather than exit. Because <laughs> you're not meant to leave. And that you can see, like, hanging above where the receptionist, where the receptionist is, is, like, number, like, five million <laughs> <Yeah>. something. <laughs> yeah. And one thing that I will say is that if you don't like, again, if you don't like how they approached this, which like, I don't really care for it either. I thought it was pretty tasteless. The musical does a much better job 
and they tackled how suicide was approached much much more tastefully. And I think also how they approached it with being like, oh, haha, if you take your own life, you wind up having to be a civil service person in the afterlife. They imply that it's like forced on you. That felt pretty crappy. That yeah. yeah, that felt gross and just yeah. I didn't yeah. like a lot of. I mean, because before we watched this, you guys had made a comment where there was there was something that was like not good about this movie. So I'm waiting. We were waiting to see when we get to that part. And we got to this. I'm like, okay, this is distasteful. I don't think this is what they were talking about. Turned out it wasn't. But <laughs> you know, we were trying to figure out what it was. We kind of had that going into this movie. I can't remember a lot about it. It's and it's and again, it's kind of like a sign of things to come. And this actually may start the conversation that we'll probably hopefully have because i think it's a conversation nobody has when they talk about this movie it's it's can you just hand wave it and say well it was the 80s right uh it's of its time it's like um no i don't think so i think we can actually look at it in a modern context because the 80s were only what 30 years ago at most or whatever i it's i think my biggest problems with this movie is that it has a lot of things that are go from either questionable or poor taste to absolutely disgusting, and nobody talks about it. My, my opinion is this. nobody's rewatched this movie. Well, <laughs> no, they just no, remember no. it being funny. No, but I, no, this is a beloved movie. I actually went to a couple of like Discord channels I'm a member of and Slack channels for other podcasts and stuff. Annoyed, saying I watched Beetlejuice, looking waiting for a fun time, and I got pedophilia and sexual assault. I'm really annoyed. And every article I read about Beetlejuice talks about the visuals and the the how funny Michael Keaton is, and nobody addresses this. And a lot of the answers I got was, well, it was the '80s. We understand it wasn't; it's not great now, but it was. I'm like, can't I don't think we can hand wave it. Should we? Can you? And that's why I get into a conversation. Yeah, okay then, and it's not okay. Right. But, you know, then you see people will bring up different movies that are like, well, this movie was kind of gross and this movie did gross things and Night of the Roxbury is completely gross. And I'm like, well, we should take those things to task now. <laughs> but where does that line happen? Right. And we'll talk about it more, I think. What's that? We can talk about Reanimator. If you want. All right. Well, that we had that. We, we, had that <laughs> we already did that. Yeah, we had the conversation Reanimator, right? Like, is context important, right? I mean, you know, is tone important? You know, so, I don't know. I we, we can talk about it more when we get to the main introduction of, of Beetlejuice and his characterization. But yeah. So, I did I laugh know. at this the, the first the part worker who keeps smoking and then Tiff had pointed out how the smoke comes out of her neck because apparently somebody split so her neck at one good. point. That's great. <laughs> That was kind of amusing to me. How long have you been waiting? Three months? Oh, dear. I, I like the idea how time works in this world where whenever they're not in the house, time just does not stop moving. It goes at an accelerated rate. I like that because yeah. it also helped justify like how much the house has changed when they go back into the house after you know being at the caseworker thing. No, absolutely. 100%. I didn't understand this fly part. Like There's a small scene where a fly comes into the model and then Beetlejuice comes out of the ground and eats it. Or something like I didn't understand any point of that. It was so fun fact. I'm going to get into little tiny, itty bitty, tiny little bit of occult stuff here. <laughs> here we go. There are many, many stories where if a being is traveling from one world to another in order to make themselves more solid, they have to eat something from that world. And this is why in Spirited Away, when Chihiro first goes over the spirit world, she starts to fade and then Haku comes to her and gives her berries so that she can become more solid again. 
This also happened if you look back through mythology and see the story of Lady Persephone, the goddess of spring, and Lord Hades, the god of death. To keep her in the underworld for a certain amount of time each year, he gave her um, pomegranate seeds. And so Beetlejuice, being a being of the dead, in order to exist more in the living world, needed to eat something. And so my guess would be that he ate that fly. That's interesting. I like it. That's that fascinating. Yeah, that's super interesting. Huh. I, I saw as a throwaway thing. Like, oh, I guess it's kind of gross. He's a fly. So th- no, literally, thank you. That's really that's really interesting. No problem. Well, hope that's the reason. I really do, because it's really cool if it is. <laughs> it would make more sense than anything else. That this movie tries to do. So, okay. That's the one part that makes sense. It does to me now. Okay. <laughs> and you have a stupid scene with, uh, you know, where the father is on the phone with the boss in New York, I think it was. I had no idea what his job was. But also, to me, that kind of fit. Like, here's a guy who has tons of money, but we have no idea what he does because he doesn't really do anything. I he just... the, the wife made the money with her art. No, that was no, wrong. Nobody oh. bought her art. Her art was terrible. Nobody bought it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought she was like this. I, yeah, it's terrible, but it might be wonderful to somebody else. Don't judge. Not to the mover. <laughs> no, he <laughs> The mover wasn't a fan. <laughs> no, whatever the job was, I, I mean, I felt like it was also kind of a... which. Now, to me, felt like more of a, a call in the 80s because the 80s was, you know, part when the country was doing way better and you had job. Like, that's all I took it. Like, here's a guy who really doesn't do anything kind of work, but makes tons of money for nothing. I don't know, but that's probably not what they were going for. That's just all I took it. That's no, they, they actually he the, the boss later on mentions that, you know, no one's made more money for me than you have. I think he's some sort of like a real estate developer, purchaser okay. of land things. I don't know. Yeah, I, might be a contractor. Contractor, maybe sure. Yeah, he's clearly he he had access to something because they were built. You know, they built that house up in three months and turned it into the garish monstrosity that it that it became. So, yeah, cool. actually, it was funny in that one of the opening scenes when they were actually putting up the walls. They are walking up with these like wavy dressers, and I went, "Oh my god, Jamie, those things are disgusting." Oh no, <laughs> no, oh my god, I'm sorry. No offense, I see. Taste, per, taste is personally fine. I I recoiled in horror at those at those gestures. I just want to be one in person and see how it functions. <laughs> I don't think it does very well, but no, I, I would like to see one. In, I would like to see one in person. Yes, that'd be kind of cool. And then you have a bunch of scenes where Lydia ends up seeing Alec Baldwin and the the couple that's dead with the sheets on. She thinks it's her parents having sex, and she takes <laughs> pictures. Like this was a th- this made me laugh a little bit. Pictures of your parents having sex. What? Hey, that's what I just said. That's what I mean. But it was just amusing to me, like this whole scene with her. She, you know, where they run around the sheet. She's like, "What are you?" And then she takes a picture. She's like, "Wait, no feet!" And then she pulls off the sheets and then realizes that it's two people who are, you know, aren't her parents. Yeah, and that's and actually she can she can actually see them, uh, which is yeah, it's pretty cool because we already I'm established terrified. By no. two adult strangers in my house. Still be that's terrified. Pretty, uh, they're pretty inoffensive, yeah. I, I, it's, yeah. She just kind of takes it in stride, which is pretty interesting. I think she was taking the pictures just for, like, you know, like, blackmail. Like, yeah. go to your room. Oh, yeah? You want me to, like, send this to your clients or something? You know, like, kind of thing, like a kid would do. I'll write that letter and pop it in the envelope and put a stamp on it. <laughs> right. That's right. She has a Polaroid. <laughs> There's no email this time, so. I don't know. And this is when you have Lydia tells her mother about ghosts. I think they don't believe her, if I remember correctly. They're just all they're concerned about is the fact that they're going to go sing a song later on and eat shrimp. I don't look like shrimp. <laughs> she has guests coming over. And that's all she cares about. Hands. <laughs> strange. We'll get. We're almost there. And he, and this is where you kind of you have a whole bunch. This is where you have a whole cemetery scene where you have them go into the model town as a cemetery. And they start. I did laugh when they're digging up the model because it shows like 
cardboard being ripped up and the other pieces. I really got a kick out of that. So like, clever. Okay, that is awesome. And then this just is when the, Beetlejuice, oh. Beetlejuice finally shows up for the first time. Yeah, just to back up a little bit, the they make the decision to you know unearth Beetlejuice, even though the caseworker tells them specifically, oh, yeah. "Look, don't do it, don't do it," because they bring in they bring him up. And he, she's like, "Look, he's nothing but trouble. Don't do it." And but you know they want these people out of their house. Like they want these people to go. So and they're clearly not good enough to do it themselves. They can't do it themselves. But so they figure they're going to hire a professional. And that's where we're at now. Well, like my whole thing is also shame on Juno, the caseworker, because she <laughs> should have been more direct about how awful Beetlejuice was. Yeah. Like literally just be like, hey, you don't want this guy here. He's a sexual offender. Don't yeah. have him around. And then they would have been like, oh, nope, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's literally going to grope you multiple times in the next, I don't know, five minutes. So but you may want she, to ignore. Yeah. She might've been a crappy individual and didn't quite want to, cause that's kind of like the feel that you get from everybody. Who's a caseworker down there mm. is that they're kind of like, Oh, well, yeah, it all sucks, but it all sucks for everybody. So eh, watch your own yeah. back. Yeah. It's a lot of dismissive, like you're going to try the usual things to get rid of them. You know, the, that, yeah, kind of the dismissive, worn down by the bureaucracy sort of thing, which eh, makes sense. But yeah, I agree. It would have been nice if she gave him a little more warning. Like, hey, like he's not just a nuisance. He's an actual serious problem. It's I'm like a pervert. There's, there's like, a difference between being a pervert and, a, and being a sexual assault. It's like seeing a wasp nest and telling somebody, if you mess with that, it's going to suck. And then you're just like, <laughs> oh, man, well, I mean, it could suck. But how much is it going to suck? And then you mess with it. <laughs> <laughs> and it sucks big time. You're like, why didn't you tell me it would suck big time? Yeah. And oh, then the I other just... person says, and then the other person says, I told you. No, 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 no. Listen. No, you didn't. Like when Beetlejuice first shows up, and so I was, you know, you guys had told me earlier, both of you, like, oh, there's a scene coming up. Looks like he like, I mean, he kisses the wife. I'm like, okay, maybe that's it. Nope, nope, that wasn't it at all. And then he just keeps going. And if I am, didn't he? Did he grab her boobs or did he grab oh, other yeah. parts of her? Yeah. yeah. He, he, yeah, he like did all, he lifted up her skirt yeah. without her like, consent, grabbed her several times. You know, when I, when we watched the scene, it made me think of a certain political figure at one point. It really Ooh. did for some reason. <laughs> Commentary. No, I, I do it every so often. I know. That no, I'm not actually. Cause that, that's just what went to my brain. I mean, that in 2022, that's what went to my brain, my brain. And I'm just like, not wrong. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I want to say the quote, but I don't want to say the quote, so I'm not no, going to. Don't. And here's the and here's the thing with here's the thing with with this scene. It's not so much the scene; it's the character. I think Levi and I kind of mentioned this in our virtual green room on Facebook Messenger with everyone here. We the problem with Beetlejuice in this instance, it's this is supposed to be slapsticky, like hey, look how silly and gross I am. I'm an awful person of the paranormal. But this is just who he is. Like, this is ingrained in the character of Beetlejuice. And that's what make, turns this into, well, kind of Porky's 80s excess to, no, 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 no. This is actually really gross and a problem. <laughs> like, this is, this, is, this is not okay. Which, again, like I said in the open, this is the kind of stuff that made me have this conversation with my wife at 11 o'clock at night on a Thursday evening. Yeah, like... Even though this is the 80s, can we like look over this and can we overlook this? Do we have to address it and should we address it? 
I'm not calling for this to be canceled or anything, but should we? Should we consider it? I don't know. But again, I didn't want to have this deep conversation. Oh, gets, I mean, this was bad, but it gets way worse. Oh, no, it's it gets worse. Yeah, because I this mean, was played for humor. I think that also bothered me. It wasn't like it was something to to tell, you know, an event or show that. I mean, partly to show this guy's a bad guy, but also it was, it was a joke. Like, oh, he looked up the skirt. Oh, <laughs> oh, he tried to grab her out. Like, I'm like, this is not funny. Oh, no. And just the way that they reacted, because, like, the husband doesn't really do much. The wife doesn't do much. They just kind of move on from it. It was just like, you didn't. You could have cut this all out and been fine. Yeah, he gropes his wife, and they still want to hire him, hire him for whatever. Which is really strange and off-brand. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, that's Le- okay. Just look up my skirt. That's fine. Levi, I don't know if you want to comment on this, because this is kind of the, t- the, 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 the big introduction to Beetlejuice. Yeah, I think... I, there's oh god, there's so much to be said about Beetlejuice. I mean, yeah. He falls into like immediately right off the bat. He falls into this character design that I think does really well with a certain demographic of people. Some of you may start to see where I'm going with this. <laughs> Characters like Trevor Phillips from Grand Theft Auto V and Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty. Hmm. They're very, very popular with people who have issues and want to be able to embrace them. And it's kind of like that whole thing of you missed the point by loving the character and wanting to be like them starter <laughs> yes. pack memes. I don't see Beetlejuice ever on those, but he should be now. Beetlejuice needs to be on them. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So you almost like people embrace him as like an anti-hero because I've heard that too. Like he's not everyone realizes he's a, a bad character, but he's kind of like this anti-hero. I, but I wouldn't even say anti-hero. I would just say I agree. I, I'm just yeah. Well, yes, but um, I think that could be some perception for a lot of people. I just don't know why I had to see this on Thursday night to see to understand this and why this just isn't a known thing, like a giant asterisk on this movie. Hey, if you don't like sexual assault and pedophilia, you may want to avoid this movie. I don't get it Still. why it's not being talked about. That's what bugs me the most about it. I mean, I never I have and I read a lot of, you know, clickbait articles on, on the Internet, but I've never seen anything about this movie. No, I had to like kind of dive to find stuff about it, too. Same. I, I actually, I actually, right after this, I went like looked up like top five you know, Tim Burton movies ranked lists, you know, a bunch of them. I think I read five of them. And all five of these lists put Beetlejuice number two, number two. And they all put Edwin number one. I was like, okay, you guys aren't too, too insane. But they, <laughs> they all put a number two and every single article didn't have at least the asterisks on it. Yes, we understand that it's, that it's really lost. The stuff is not okay, but we still love it for its visuals and its humor and acting. And it just maddens me that this cultural tentpole, yeah, it's a big deal. It's Beetlejuice. It's not a little known film. I think, I think one thing that's also worth mentioning is that it's, it's still a lot, not, not quite like fully older generations, but a lot of generations that would have been like born around the time that Beetlejuice came out that are big fans of it. And then on top of that, older generations. Mm-hmm. And some people who may not be quite ready to tackle those issues mm-hmm. because they have sure. been raised with them as normal for so long. Not that that's an excuse. Right. It's not an excuse. Of course. But... It's a look on there, people. There's a lot of newer fans who I know who are starting to tackle these issues and are starting to want to talk about them. 
But then a lot of the older fans are like, oh, you just don't know what you're doing. And then they're silenced. That's a lot of the issues that I've been seeing personally. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, I just hope because, again, this is just one of those beloved films that beloved films that people beloved. And (laughs) this is just never it's not even a footnote. And it's very strange and odd to me that it's not. So it's very unfortunate. And this unfortunately, again, this cements his character as this really lecherous, gross con man which would he is i don't mind a paranormal con man that's fine but you definitely none of this is necessary and of course we're gonna we'll move on from here of course i don't want to belabor the points yeah ick 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 yuck and ick oh yeah it was a lot i i was like what the f-? and it also really came to my mind how the hell does this get an animated tv show like yeah, he said that several times i know but i don't understand like who saw this when you know what we you know that this you know what this guy needs he needs a tv animated cartoon yeah Maybe for kids for where he and lydia are best friends <laughs> Yeah, best friends that go on these adventures in the afterlife and, and, and do all sorts of fun stuff. I remember loving the cartoon. I think they probably just saw, you know, how much money it brought in. And then they yeah. said, ooh, let's see how much more money it can bring in. I don't know. I remember, I remember liking it as a kid. I did not watch anything to catch up on it. Who knows if it's bad or not. But I, don't know, I liked it as a kid. Then you have probably what I think is probably considered one of the best scenes of this movie. At least it was it was funny. So they summon Beetlejuice now. He's in the world. And the family is having dinner. And all of a sudden, no, this isn't Beetlejuice. This is the Baldwin, the the couple, and they possess them. And all of a sudden, they start singing the Deo song. That Great. to me was awesome. Like, so this song, everything I looked up when I was googling, it kept saying this song is from the movie. This song is something I feel like I've heard before. You know, that wasn't included with this movie. Like, because I also I know like it's it, it came out with like a Jamaican song or something or a Jamaican like. It, and there's more to it. I felt. I don't know. I I, I just. It was just, you know, they keep singing this song. And I'm like, this song means something that I'm not catch that I'm not picking up on. Like, why they chose this song. I don't think there was really any meaning behind it. I just think it's a fun song. It just, it's such a contrast to the sterile, you know, gray slate, angular, you know, dining room that they're in eating a disgusting looking shrimp cocktail. Like, so what, it, how grody is that shrimp cocktail? Just having this boring, banal conversation, sterile and just, ugh. And then all of a sudden, you know, they start dancing. And it's just a great contrast. And I, I I think it's a fantastic scene. It's well executed, very funny. And then the 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 bit at the very end when the the shrimps grab them and pull them to the to the plate shocked me. I got a good jump out of that. I, I had no idea that was coming. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. Really, really clever and well done. Anything to add, Levi? I I absolutely love how over the top all of the actors went in that scene. (laughs) Actually, genuinely looking shocked while performing full on dance. Do you know how hard that is? That's hard. (laughs) And just everything about that scene was wonderful. And also, I know with the music taste, like it's still... It's still a little out there, but I know that, like, periodically in the film beforehand, music similar to that, I believe by the same artist, I forget his name, had been playing in the film. So I believe that's just the Maitland's, like, chosen style of music they enjoy the most. Yes, he was, as he was working on his model in the very beginning, he's listening to either that song or something very similar. I'm going to guess that song because they probably want to pay for two songs. (laughs) <laughs> they probably don't want to pay for one. But yes, you're 100% right. That is set up in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I just, oh my goodness, I absolutely love this scene. And again, I know I keep bringing up the musical, but if you like this scene and if you really wanted to see it bring up to brought up to like a notch of 11, 
they do that in the musical and it's wonderful. <laughs> I'm taking some time tomorrow for the football game to to watch this because this you are you're really selling it well, Levi. It's, I really it's watch wonderful. It I can't understate it. Like two hours, I think, or an hour and a half. Two hours and one minute. Well, you asked, so. What I didn't understand is how all of a sudden the family now wants to meet the ghosts, and they're like, oh, we can make money off of this. And I'm just like, that went through my head. If I all of a sudden had was possessed, started having to you know, sing and dance, I'm like, okay, it's time for me to go. You want to be possessed and dance? No, $50. I don't. $50. I, no. <laughs> I mean, the, mm, with the, most of Delia's artwork looks like a confused nightmare farted a little too hard. And then her- <laughs> That was good. <laughs> and then her husband is just, he does kind of like the Mark Zuckerberg version of react of like relaxing where he's like, oh, yes, I'm human. This is how humans relax. <laughs> so like, to be fair, you can't expect them to have a normal reaction to this kind of phenomena. But then their dinner guests get like all turned off when they can't immediately produce the ghosts. That's right. I mean, to be fair, they're they're obsessive capitalists. <laughs> <laughs> Things must happen now, you see. There's no right time is literally money. And then this is when they, they go up in the attic and the couple has to hide by jumping out the window and holding on to it so they don't see them, which to me, like they didn't see you earlier. Before only Lydia could see them. Like they didn't need to do that. And then this is when Otho sees the book, which to me I felt weird that the book shouldn't exist in the in this plane of ex- it shouldn't exist in the living plane. I didn't like that. But again, movie had a movie, so I get it. But it bothered me for some reason. I, I I also like the idea of there being multiple planes of reality to pick for different, like that idea of that. And so I didn't like seeing something that was in both planes that shouldn't have been. I, I agree with you, Mike. I had the same thought. I was like, wait, why? Why can he see this? Because clearly this was existing in their plane. And I don't remember. Can they interact with objects in the real world? I guess so. No, Not they, at first. Right. If the movie progressed, they were able to. So maybe that's this like movie lacks a big long scene of them dancing and making pottery together and stuff to show he was learning how to do the ability from a guy in a train car. So. Fair enough. Not that movie. <laughs> Sexy Patrick Swayze right there. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, that's my song too. Uh, and this is where you first. I haven't seen Ghost in years, but uh, oh, this we're is gonna know. This is where you first <laughs> see the Beetlejuice snake, which I have seen hundreds of times in different things like references or art or all sorts of stuff i had no idea that it was see it in my new tattoo in this in this movie and it was just like that snake almost kills people yeah hangs them upside down that guy's neck probably should have broke mm-hmm. yeah i, I thought he was... wasn't there to try to save him so his neck was okay don't worry his neck had um plot padding <laughs> like Wednesday. Yeah, the story collar where yeah, that's very good. Yeah, I was well, this is actually showing too, and this is actually really cool too. I obviously we all know this is stop motion and practical effects, but boy oh boy, do I like stop motion and practical effects. This is <laughs> so really good. It's it's appropriately scary. It's of course, you know, has to go too far and he has to look up someone look up uh someone's skirt, of course, uh-huh. because Beetlejuice, yuck. Yeah, thank you. Great. Couldn't go one scene, huh? and nope couldn't do that so it is actually really really effective and good it also shows that beetlejuice is out to kill people like he's not here to scare you he's here to murder you which again i don't actually mind that piece you know i maybe makes me a bad person because you know i don't really like the sexual assault stuff but i'm fine with the murder you know okay (laughs) but it's a guy um, who's recorded 
over 40, 50 hours with you. I completely understand that reference for what you're saying, Bill. <laughs> shush, shush you. <laughs> I, but I There's actually, nothing wrong with it because you like horror. You like people being murdered in TV and movies because it's no, fake and it entertains you. Hang on a second Different. now. Wait, don't, don't paint me like a sociopath here. I no, don't no, like sociopath like, I want to see for real. Like, no, you just, know, you enjoy movies because they're fiction. That's different. I do think, and I've said it before, there can be a lot of beauty in the horrible and the, in the arabesque. And kind of like, there can be like, there can be, absolutely. But I'm going to say that, I don't know what I was saying. I lost my train of thought. You know, you got me talking about myself. Anyway, I long, think long story short, it's, it's pretty. I think a good point is there's a very big jump between death which is something very natural that can happen and sexual assault, which should not be natural. That's an excellent way of putting it. Thank you, Levi, for encapsulating a thought that was going to take me an, an hour to say. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, the editor, thank you, too. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, it was just a strange scene. Like, I, I didn't even catch that he looked up her dress to her skirt. Like, I didn't catch that. Yeah, you did. I did? You oh, yeah. On it. Oh. You said, did he just look up his I didn't write it down, apparently. Oh, no, you caught it before I did. Spittlejuice is terrible, and that's what they were really trying to show. And then, do they say his name three times and it warps him back to the model town? Yes. Okay. Do they? Which, I thought they say go home. Oh, no, so no, they, they say said his, his name and he jumps, but when they're there, if they say home, 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 they go back to the home. Okay. Okay. Huh. Okay. And this is where you st- and then they all of a sudden get sent back to the caseworker's office because the caseworker's all upset that they let Beetlejuice out and then I told you. Because he's smoking. Which again would not be in a PG movie, people smoking, but it's the eighties, so that was allowed. Now it'd be a rated R X for having smoking in a movie, I think, right? Same. Close to it. Um, okay. Probably be like PG thirteen for tobacco use. Oh yeah, yeah. and I don't agree with smoking. I'm just trying to make a joke, but it didn't work. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, you're the good. No, you're right. Brain. I just no, it came up the <laughs> autism brain. Yeah, I know. It didn't come off right. I, I am very much against smoking. I think it's a terrible addiction. But I understand it. But that's neither here nor there. I mean, just the caseworker thing. You have like the dead football team that was in there. Like, coach, oh, like I'm not your coach. I don't think we made it through that crash. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is a, it's very odd it's a very odd to have them again i like the idea of this case where we're just having too many cases you know she's got way too many dead people to worry about she has an entire football team bothering her confused like wait calling her coach <laughs> clearly i'm not your coach you know it's it's I lo- it's, okay, it's i yeah. love the caseworker though she's great yeah i like she, her a lot. i love her that's my favorite by a basket of himbos <laughs> who have no idea all of them just no thoughts just vibes. <laughs> and they have one brain cell to share between them. <laughs> and this is this also bothered me a little bit. The next part you see Lydia writing her journal, and I think she's writing about suicide or something. Yeah. I was like, oh god, if they have her kill herself to join the dead, I'm gonna be really pissed at this movie. It looks like it's about to be a suicide note, is what it looks And that bothered me yeah. because I, I don't like anything that glorifies suicide in any way, especially with a teenager character. Like that just I didn't like that at all. I mean, I know not where the movie goes, but I didn't like that it was there. Yeah, and that was her entire motivation was she wanted to die so she could go to the afterlife, you know, and because it all sounds really cool. And of course, the husband and wife, they say, no, 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 no you have people. Yeah, you have life to live here, you know, which is good. Yeah, I, th- I think they were trying to do a teen anti-suicide message, but it just did not translate well no. at all and it just wound up looking super super tasteless yeah that's a good way to put it and and this is where you then see lydia's talking to beetlejuice in the model and i think she's trying oh yeah, this is where he does like the because he can't say 
you know what his name is so he does yeah the charades so he's talking during the charades which i thought was like well how charades work buddy okay oh, that didn't, that was just as long as he doesn't say his, why can't he say his name do we figure that out because he's a demon um, if you say his name you have true so fun fact it's another occult <laughs> thing there <laughs> here we go hey, um there are right. trickster beings okay. which very much is kind of what beetlejuice was based on oh, that like cannot say their own name Okay, that makes hmm. so much sense. And so, like, if they're if they're supposed to be summoned by their name, or if their name has some hold over them, like you see this in the tale of Rumpelstiltskin, yeah. the woman to be free of Rumpelstiltskin has to figure out what his name is, or else she has to give up her firstborn child. So that's also a running thing in mythology and in the occult is that there are some beings who can't say their name, or they will refuse to. But with Beetlejuice, he can't. That's interesting. That makes sense, though. You're making this movie make sense in a couple parts, so thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Well, all the occult stuff is the interesting stuff. Like, that's actually really cool and interesting, like, again, how he deals with the afterlife. And so I think that stuff is actually that extra layer of nuance and understanding is makes it it does make it a lot richer so i i and that's I, super cool again i wonder if they did that consciously or they were just like oh he just can't say his name just because my guess is partly consciously if there was somebody around somewhere that had some knowledge of just either miss or of that nature like hey this is what we should do well because like if you look through the original script the name Beetlejuice, like with the whole like spelling that it's supposed to have, and it's pronounced differently. I forget how it's actually pronounced. I, I don't exactly remember, but that is a it's a Middle Eastern name. And he was originally supposed to have more of a Middle Eastern mm-hmm. appearance mm-hmm. Yep. in the original mm-hmm. script. I'm glad that they didn't go with that, though, because that would have come off as a little bit racist. Like, the only <laughs> person of color yeah. being villain. Yeah. yeah. And you, you already have... You already have rape and, and pedophile. I want to throw and race them in there, too. We go with the movie. Then that would have been really extra bad. Yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. And we all the know that Holy Tim Burton. Holy Trinity of oh oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we all know Tim Burton movies are not known for their diversity. So. <laughs> and then you have like this the business presentation where the where the 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 father is trying to say, oh hey, we did we can do this, we can make money off this town, and we'll build this here. It's like <laughs> all this to try to get get the boss to sign off and do it on the I think he just walks. Doesn't he just walk out because the ghosts don't show up or something? Yeah, they want the ghost. Oh, no, they, okay, they do show up. Beetlejuice shows up. Never mind. Well, like, well, another yeah. one of my favorite things is that they are just immediately like, we can make money off of this town and we can change things without even, like, going to reach out to the city council. Because as somebody who's lived in a small, tiny little town, like, less than, I think, 50,000 people, the city councils do not want to change. I lived in a town where a crystal stopped traffic. They do not want to change. (laughs) (laughs) So the idea of, oh, we're just going to make money. Like, no. Oh, no. You poor baby. (laughs) (laughs) Really putting putting their sacks and sacks of money before the horse, right? Kind of like, hmm, let's make all these plans. And then, well, their thing, I think, was they're just going to buy the town. Like, literally, the idea is, hey, let's buy everything in the town. And now we own the town. And then we'll just make this ghost town <laughs> that's that is literally these geniuses plan right like you said like without like consulting the city council or realizing there's a whole government here you know the police department a fire department like you know all sorts of stuff are here 
already. But yeah, it's by the town that works. I, I didn't like this next part where they have Otho's doing like a, what he thinks is like a seance to summon the dead, but he's actually doing an exorcism. I, I didn't like I don't it. Think it isn't it's an exorcism. Are you sure? Yes, that's what Wiki said. Yeah. Oh, Wiki. Okay, sure. But it, it just didn't like that how they take their clothes, their wedding clothes, and they summon them into their bodies, and they and they start like they start showing how they should have looked because if you would have sure. drowned, <laughs> yeah, and they looked like they were you know all puffy and wrinkly, like they drowned. But at the same time, like how long do you think they were in the water? They crashed right in town. Like they probably would have got to them pretty quickly. But that's neither here nor there. But that's what went through my brain. It's like, well, they wouldn't be that wrinkled because they would have been pulled out of the water pretty quickly. But you know. That doesn't matter. But that's how my brain thought. But I, I didn't like seeing them like that and seeing them suffering, which is like the whole the whole catalyst of why Lydia goes upstairs, finds Beetlejuice, and then this part bothers me, which we've been we've been tiptoeing around to this point. But Beetlejuice says in order for her to, you know, they do the game like the name, like she's like, I'll help you, but first you have to agree to marry me because I'm like an illegal alien. I need to be married in order to stay here. And she's like, sure, whatever. And eventually she's like, sure, whatever. Because she's trying yeah. to save them because she can tell they're suffering. Oh, Levi, is there any occult stuff to do with this, or is this just pedophilia? I mean, not from what I know of. I mean, there there may be. I'm not fully versed in everything. I'm not going to be like, oh yes, I know. Like, I'm not I'm not a walking encyclopedia. No, you're good. I just more into it. One thing. Well, what am I? Th- my brain's stopped because all at once. Everything. As a guy who follows myths, I was wondering, like, you know, I could see it being something from a myth or something of that, te- you know legend where it's like this creature has to have a wife but also at the same time to me I'm like well that's not really because marriage is a legal thing it's like you know i don't know it's just I one think, of those things i think they because i know they go a little bit more it may just be that they changed it for the musical but in the musical he literally makes it we're like oh it's a green card thing so it may just be playing more mm. of the bureaucracy okay maybe i did yes. not lo- so i didn't realize at first that she's 15 when this is How happening. did you think she was? I don't know. I was hoping maybe the movie would have made her 18 or she something. Actually, I think she looks younger. She does, which also bothered me. It's the 80s. If she was 18, her parents would have kicked her out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but it's just. And so then she says his name three times and he, he comes out. But it's just like it gets worse. Than this. I mean, first, yes, he says, OK, you need you know, marry me. All right. Whatever. Like, that's bad enough. But then as the as the movie progresses, when he comes in and he. And he starts, you know, he ties up the parents with the sculptures and like summons a preacher to come in. And she doesn't even say I do. And he talks for her like it's really bad where he's forcing her to marry him. Child died. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, this is not necessary. You could have him make that comment or something. There could have been something else. But I'm like, this is just it's a whole the last scene in this movie is all them trying to stop him from marrying her. Yeah. Right. And I'm just like, this is not okay. I mean, they, they literally could have gone with anything else. Anything. There's so many things. You're you're building this mythos, like you're building this world. You could have you could have literally done anything else, but they, they went with they, yeah. They could have gone with it with him being like, "Oh, I have to kill someone to become alive, so I'm gonna try and kill Lydia." That would have been better. Yes. And then also, may I also say that, like, in the original script, there's something that goes down in the original script that just, like, Yeah, nauseating. In the original script, Lydia has a little sister. And I will warn anyone who's listening, if you have any, like, triggers with sexual assault, you may want to, like, maybe not listen for a few minutes. But... Beetlejuice literally makes comments about her nine-year-old sister. Oh. And I was like, what 
the like he literally sees her she walks out and he's like oh i'm gonna have to use my imagination with that one and i was like oh how did anybody think oh boy even in the 80s how did that version of the script even be brought up to be thought of being made as a movie how (laughs) i oh i'm like i the thing is I just read that a few hours ago because I wanted to make sure that like everything was fresh on my mind. I had never read the original script before. I knew it was darker, but ooh, so that's like fresh on my mind. That's newly engraved. I knew she had a little sister in the original script, but I haven't like read it, read it. Ooh, it's it's bad. It's real bad. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and I'm I'm just looking at the wiki right now and I haven't read the actual script, but evidently this this sister, Kathy, the nine year old, she's evidently mur- murdered horribly, mutilated at the very end of the movie, evidently. Oh, because geez. he takes the form of a rabid squirrel, because haha, that's funny. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> that's a horrible way to die. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I just I don't I don't understand. Uh from uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to formulate thoughts here, but it is really completely fucked up. I I don't understand why they had to take this route. I don't know who looked at that and said, that's funny, that's fine, that's a great way out. And I again, I don't know why nobody talks about it. It is so frustrating. I don't get that either. I'm really it's, honestly surprised. That's a big surprised. thing I'm on. Because again, we can, we can have our is not okay, but we still re- we still watch it or ingest it, right, with asterisks. Again, we all know Lovecraft was a racist, horrible racist racist, right? You know, the Innismore, yes, that's what happens when the races combine, right? He was terrified of that, right? But we're all still reading the, the Cthulhu mythos, right? And it, there's so many examples of that in media where we've decided as a culture and a society, hey, we're going to take the good with the bad, and I think those those have to be personal choices sometimes. If at least you talk about it and bring it up and you reference it and say, hey, this is not okay. But in this movie, with a cartoon attached to it, <laughs> like no uh-huh. one fucking talks about it. And I it just baffles me that we're the only podcast in the world that might be talking about this. <laughs> Another <laughs> I know another I know. tiny step further, which is why I've started moving away from Tim Burton movies, is that people have started commenting about how he refuses to use people of color in his films. Right. Yeah. As I as so. I kind of said earlier, we it's well documented he he is not very diverse at all. I mean no. to the point where he is super duper not diverse in his casting. I mean, he's even definitely now. not diverse. He basically just uses Helena Bonham Carter and Johnny Depp for everything. <laughs> Johnny Depp, yeah. Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. And that's and that's just all of the uh, I'm not saying obvious, but obviously everything here is completely disgusting and gross and trying to marry a 15 year old. That's gross. I yep. just really wish Really wish this was the we had a big asterisk on this that people were actually discussing and commenting on this literally beloved second best movie Tim Burton's ever made movie. <laughs> I don't understand the love for this movie. I really don't get it. I think Levi really put it well. I think it, a lot of it probably has to go with nostalgia glasses. And you know, when if I was if I saw this in 1987, I think this was released. Oh, I, my parents would not have let me see this in 1987. <laughs> I was seven years old or 88. I was eight. But if I saw this when I was like 13, then all that stuff would have gone over my head. And I, if I'd seen it as a really shitty 22-year-old, I'm, sh- I'm sure I was shitty. 
I probably would have like because uh, I would have sucked because I was probably twenty two. And now as a forty year old man who doesn't suck as bad <laughs> as I did back then, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you do have a small scene where the wife gets zapped to the desert, and the, then she rides a sandworm into the house and eats Beetlejuice, and that's how he dies again. I don't know. I found that like I'm like, okay, at least he's gone. And the next time you see him, is him. He's sitting in the waiting room at the end of this movie. Can someone explain to me very quickly how that how she got into with the sandworm? Like how that happened? Barbara. So from what I've seen from the, most of the movie, Barbara's just a badass i mean the first time yeah. she saw a sandworm it tried to attack her and she punched it in the nose yes she did. <laughs> so it was my guess is that for however long she was out there because oh you know what hang on my brain is doing things i'm so proud of it <laughs> brain when adam had gone out there that one time before he was like oh my god it was like 30 seconds for, t- for me. And she was like, oh, really? You were gone for like a couple of hours. That right. means Barbara may have had a couple of hour throwdown out there with a sandworm oh. and won and come back riding it. <laughs> well, I would actually think the opposite. I think that she was able to get out there, snag a sandworm and come back within. Because I guess based on that, if she was gone for, you know, it was like, like a minute or two, this whole scene. That would imply that she was out there for like 10 seconds. Uh, so she went out there, grabbed the first sandworm she found, punched it real hard in the nose, and then burst it burst in like like the I aforementioned agree. badass she is. So I don't – whichever Either way it works. Way, but Barbara's a yeah. badass. Either way, she she is pretty awesome. And uh, I just didn't understand the – in the lore how that worked. But it made for a really cool effect. And it got rid of got rid of Michael Keaton. So cool. <laughs> Wait. However My. you got to do a movie. It's cool with me. My thing that I absolutely love is that this implies that before Beetlejuice got to be sent back to, like, the nether realm and into uh, the whole area to be seen by a caseworker, he had to be pooped out by a sandworm. And that's exactly (laughs) what he deserves. (laughs) And I also will say, too, it's very neat when – I keep forgetting the the husband's name, but – is Adam? Is that right? Adam. Yeah, Adam. I don't. I don't want to say Alec Baldwin. When Adam like gets gets poofed away by Beetlejuice, which again, evidently Beetlejuice can just do that because this movie is very loosey goosey on its rules. The fact that he, when he does that, he puts him into the model and he drives a little model car to distract him enough to stop stop making Lydia say, you know, wedding vows. That's a really cool idea. I li- I really like that idea of him driving this little itty bitty car and crashing into his foot. <laughs> it's actually a very very cute and inventive and imaginative. That was very fun. I can agree with that. That that was one of the funnier parts. And then this movie is like kind of an odd. The ending was fine. You see Lydia Lydia leave, leaving school. She comes back to the house, and then you find like you see the house where they like have a like, compromise, where half the house is from the other couple and half the house is from the dead couple. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yep, they all live together now in harmony. Well, you told me yes. Well, I noticed it. I, I wasn't quite sure if the parents can actually see um, Adam and and his uh, I forget his name, Adam and his wife. Like I'm can't I don't remember if they can now see them. I don't know if that was established. Obviously, Lydia can see them, but they're all kind of living together. She's in her like uh, I guess a private school uniform, which just really cements the grossness of the past yes, of the previous did. 10 minutes that really brings that home. So I don't remember if they can actually see her, but they're all kind of living in harmony in the home. Of them, at least you can tell they're aware of them. Yes, they're totally aware. They believe them. Right. Yeah. Good. 
Oh, and then I, I absolutely love that the mother went on to start creating sculptures of Beetlejuice. Like, <laughs> oh, yes, that's not going to re-traumatize your daughter at all. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Lydia dancing in the air is so fun and good. And the random football players behind her... I don't I know like, why they're why? there. But... Why are they there? What happened? <laughs> Whatever. It, I, that's I just my brain went. This is this is pure and good. I've seen like horror and misery, so I'll just take <laughs> and move on my life. My favorite. It's great. Oh, I love that. It's a, it's an iconic scene too. Her just it dancing is. in midair. Um, why is she dancing in midair? Can she dance in midair? Is she dead now? Who? I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. We're that fine. was her We're reward good. to dance in midair and sing so because good. she got an A. <laughs> It was. It was. That's the part that I'm like. Ugh. <laughs> so yeah, and that ends the movie. Yay! That brings us. To, I just yeah, I, I'm 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 in the same. Well, part. I don't understand. No more chicken scratch notes for. Us? Nope, no more notes. So that brings <laughs> us to shelf stacker box. And Levi, why don't you go first? Box. I would not support any other films if they included a ton of racism or wait is. Is Stack the one for getting rid of, or is that Box? Box is the one to get rid of. Okay, yeah. I wouldn't support films if they included a ton of racism or a ton of homophobia that was just out there. So why should I make it any different for sexual assault and pedophilia? Like, I'm glad to have seen this movie. I love the music. I love the cultural stuff that was spun off from this movie. I love the special effects and how it helped forward film in its time. But that cannot be an excuse for me continuing to support it. So, box. Okay. What about you, Tiff? I'm, this is hard for me because, like you said, nostalgic tinted glasses. It was uh, especially because it was a movie my dad and I used to watch together. So that's especially hard for me to put it in the box. So I'm just going to say The Shelf, just for memory's sake, but I'm not saying it's a good movie. No, it's I'm okay. Just, it is a bad movie. However, if they had a soundtrack somewhere, I would put that on the shelf, because I do agree it has good music. And what about you, Bill? And yeah, before I, I, I really do empathize with people who love this movie for nostalgic reasons, who grew up with this and have it be formative parts of their life, especially I think for a lot of people, this was probably the first time they had seen visuals like this and imagination like this because all that stuff is good like again i love the visuals i adore the stop motion the stop motion i even like the dumb plastic masks that they're wearing when they turn their faces into horror shows <laughs> and it, they're great i think they're also imaginative and clever and good so many good performances but like levi say i cannot in good conscience even put this in the stack because I've gr- I I just can I it's so this has to go in the box for me and it's a real bummer because there's so much stuff here to like and enjoy and luckily the good parts of this have kind of leached into the culture quite a bit and can be experienced elsewhere in other ways so yeah this has to go in the box and it kind of bumps me out and I again I feel for those who really like this movie and maybe looking at this as as you know with older eyes perhaps or more mature eyes or experienced eyes and being like God. Damn it! Why is this? Why is this why so is shitty? It so bad? Why is this so shitty? You could have been great, but why didn't now, my dad tell me? <laughs> didn't, maybe he just didn't recognize it, and that's—I I can't even blame people. You know, it's—you know—sometimes 
culture is like that, right? You know, it takes yeah. time to to grow. You know, I'm grown that way, but we're just to recognize things. Anyway, I not to belabor a point, but definitely in the box, and it bumps me up. I'd also like to briefly bring up that if you're willing to admit that this movie was like, eh, you're willing to admit the bad stuff, but you still enjoy it, you're not a terrible person, as long yeah. as you're willing to admit the bad stuff. Yeah, that I agree with that. feel a little better. <laughs> no, no I mean, I you liked that. it for nostalgia. Yeah. You didn't like it because it had, you know, sexism. There's a difference. <laughs> like... No, it's a, it's not a good movie. It has horrible parts, and I don't condone anything that happened in it. But like I said, my dad passed away almost two years ago, and that was a movie we used to watch. So I can't put it in the box. No, that's different. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You're not like, oh, I really like that scene. Like that's a whole different case. Like that's. <laughs> and nor nor are you telling people who don't like it. Come on, snowflake, relax. It's just a no, joke. No, I'm not I'm doing not. that either. So I'm like sitting <laughs> here going, I'm a horrible person. No, right, you're no. a far more horrible person. <laughs> You don't have the thoughts like I have. You're good. So and I'm going to go last. This is also going to box. I did not like this movie for any reason. I didn't enjoy the, the questionable things. I just didn't enjoy the movie in general. But then again, I've also realized I don't like Tim Burton at all. But I'm glad I finally saw this movie because we have been talking about the movie off and on in this podcast with all the different people, like a bunch of the people that come on back with the, some of the, my original co-hosts we had mentioned in different times. So I was good to finally watch it and cover it. I did not expect this conversation to go away. It went, though. I told him we were going to do it eventually. I did not expect this movie to be about pedophilia and sexual assault and about a terrible dead person. Like, I never expect any of that <laughs> when I first heard it. So, yeah, it's in the box, but I'm glad I did finally see it so I can never watch it again now that I own it. So. <laughs> all right, that's all I got. All right. And I, the last thing I think I should, I do want to say again is this was brought to you by Patreon, by people voting in a poll. So as little as a dollar, you can go to our Patreon. You will see a link in the show notes and go vote. Little as a dollar. You can vote in our monthly poll and you can decide something that we're going to cover. What are you saying? Thanks. No, at the end, what are you trying to say? Little as a dollar? Yes. Okay. Well, enunciate, please. Oh, my headphone wasn't plugged in. Uh-huh, sure. Uh, Bill, where can people find you at? You can find me at a gamer looks at 40 on Twitter and the podcast of the same name. As I said in the open, it's a kind of a nostalgic walkthrough of different games and eras as told through the stories of the people who lived them. It's kind of like a Ken Burns documentary of all these different people with thoughts and opinions and most importantly, stories. And that's a real personal show. And I hope you listen to it and enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, don't tell me. It's okay. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. A gamer looks at 40 on Twitter is where everything can be found. So just go there. I can't believe the editing you do. I just can't. <laughs> it's, it's, Maybe you should up your game then. No, oh, I, I am. I am working on uh, a Nintendo 64 episode. And you know how like in Audacity or any of those programs, you have tracks, right? Yes. Three tracks. You have one for your voiceover and one for this. I have 44 right now on this project. <laughs> your you see? wife ever see you like ever? <laughs> yeah, she does. All, she sits next to me at work. We like we share we share a desk. So. <laughs> Oh she sees guy. me all the time. You are <laughs> collecting them like kids collect Pokemon cards. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm even in there for one of those interviews. So. You are there. Yeah, you have, you have a really funny story that's going to be in that episode. It's fine. It's going to break up into four episodes. It's fine. It's all fine. Wait, anyway. How long are your episodes? Hour. Hour and a half sometimes. An hour and a half. Well, so that's the one I'm talking about now, not to belabor this point, but it's the N64 one's going to be probably three episodes because I have two and a half hours worth of stuff to break up. So it'll be three episodes worth. I like to keep them to an hour and change. And, uh, yeah, and yeah, and I like to, and I, and since I'm doing them every other week, I have two new side up side shows that are going to fill in the alternate weeks. One of them's called, yeah, one of them is called Tales from the Bargain Bin, which is myself and my brother. 
yeah, we got, you know, everyone got weird games as a kid from family members who were just trying to do the right thing, but they didn't get the list from Santa. So they just got you whatever they found. That's because the list from Santa costs $50. Exactly. And why would you spend $50 in the game when you can spend five? Santa doesn't have that much money, okay? But some of those are gems, and some of those are not so much. We talk about those games. That's a cool concept that I like that. Thank you. And the second one's probably not as cool, but it's uh, we talk about walking simulators. Our own Mike Alberton was on our first one where we talk about the Stanley Parable. I like walking simulators. I think they're interesting intersections of game and arts and interactive and story. So that's the only one. And Mike Alberton named it. So, hey, he named the show. The Walk Never Ends. Oh, yeah. I forgot I did, by the way. You did? You sure did, sir. So uh, look for that walking in simulators. March. <laughs> All right. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go check out all our other content because there's a lot of other content. We went through all the MC movies because I was insane. So me and Bill, you can hear us for hours and hours and hours talk about MCU with Mike. You're doing garbage cookies. Never. So <laughs> definitely go check all those out. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. Want to give a shout out to my awesome intro and outro, outro courtesy of Helena at Health Hath Fury. You can follow her TikTok. You will see the link in the show note. And I can't think of anything else I need to say. We will see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.